0: Join But Why Though and Project Tahiti in support of St. Jude Children's Research Hospital.
1: St. Jude is committed to transforming cancer care with the goal of curing at least 60% of children worldwide with six of the most common cancers by 2030. And with your support, you can help St. Jude stay true to this life-saving mission by finding cures and saving children.
0: Donate to support the treatment of childhood cancer around the world at stjude.org slash but why though. Again, that's stjude.org slash but why though. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to a new episode of Project Tahiti. It's a magical place. I'm one of your hosts, Jess, and I'm joined by your other host, Jared. Hello. Hello. And hello from Portland. <laughs> yeah, I was going to
1: say, I'm, I'm now uh, in my own version of the, the playground where All places (laughs) at once, (laughs) or whatever, (laughs) without a home.
0: Oh man, uh, so Los Angeles is no longer the home base of either of us at this point. (laughs) It's so weird.
1: Yeah, we've fled, you're not too far, (laughs) yeah,
0: (laughs) just from one end of the fault line to the other. (laughs) Um, yeah, I don't know. I was talking about someone with earthquake, some I was talking to someone about earthquakes this morning and now i'm like that that the fact that i am still on the newport inglewood fault line is is very much present in my mind right now
1: (laughs) yeah i'm very much not on a fault line but it feels sort of like i am on one because as i forget i was listening to some podcast uh but the the hosts were uh too um two black men and they were talking about how portland right now seems like it's it's this hotbed of white on white crimes What they're, they're saying white people uh either acting crazy or stand or standing in solidarity with them versus white federal officers <laughs> and so I'm, I'm i feel like i'm in the in a weird fault line of uh of yeah on i don't like know yeah federal, federal, to- <laughs> federal applica- a, a, a weird confluence of, of of a lot of people doing good but also a lot of like federal occupation and just i think white anarchists and assholes trying to take the uh spotlight and make it about them but my
0: friends works downtown and she has she sees it all like and she works in a coffee shop that's like at the you know the first floor of an apartment building and so these poor residents are just like yeah all night just gas tear gas and and You know, shooting rubber bullets and all kinds of things. It's just great.
1: (laughs) Yep, and it's also suspicious the way way it works. Like it, it makes me feel like I I never, I don't know, I never dismissed it, but I never really like thought about it or bought into it or like looked into like stuff where they, you know, would say that the feds would send in agitators or whatnot. But at this point. With the way the timing is, or just or their choices, you know. If even if it is just a crazy anarchist who's not part of the Black Lives Matters movement that goes in and does the the crazy thing right in front of them, they don't go arrest those guys. If they're all around there tear gassing, you know, peaceful protesters, why is someone able to climb over the fence and set fire inside the house the courthouse or whatever? Like, like, Like couldn't you just be focusing on that guy instead of all the peaceful people who are just proving how hypocritical you are every second you're doing this shit. Like, I don't know. It's, it's insane, but hopefully, thankfully they did pull out the thorough presence here, but I know that they've gone to other places. So it's not like it's any, it's not like it's actually an improvement. It's just a different, different cities getting the hammer yeah. at the second. So yep.
0: Chicago's next, right? By the time this comes out, who knows yeah. what, what will have happened. <laughs> yeah. They he's threatened
1: Chicago, Albuquerque, anywhere where people are speaking out. <laughs> and
0: which yeah. is pretty much everywhere still also true yeah So also true. Uh,
1: <laughs> i know that they're threatening to go back into seattle and yeah I and mean, they've already had some people going there so yeah hopefully it's not like completely falling apart by the time this episode gets out
0: i know i know <clears throat> um before we get started with the episode we have two people we need to talk about yes. that have been garbage <laughs> that we have praised in the past well one of them is mostly garbage. The other one is I don't I don't know, victim of circumstance, I guess. But also yeah. garbage.
1: Yeah. Also so, made, made a poor choice at the very least. <laughs>
0: yeah. So Jeff Loeb, someone that we have talked about extensively on this podcast, about how we were kind of disappointed that he's being pushed out because, you know, under his helm there's been a lot of good diversity and inclusion. Uh uh, I think we have decided that all happened despite him instead yeah. of because of him, because he's garbage.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. In, in, in fact, like a re- like I think, was it last night? I, I, in my head, I just had a little thought that popped in. You know, all those times that we were like, we're a little disappointed in this because Mo's so good about this. So why did they fridge this woman of color in this moment? Or why did they do this problematic thing with a gay character? And we're like, oh, that's, that's just disappointing because Mo and Jed usually seem so considerate and thoughtful. And now I think, oh, that. I know why, <laughs> because <laughs> they, they were fighting against Jeff Loeb the whole freaking time. The fact yeah. that we got the show we got, the fact that there are two, uh, I mean, several, uh, you know, Asian American and Asian uh, recurring characters, but that we have two Asian American women leads who are as good and, and as well-developed as they are. I think we can firmly thank uh, Mo, especially, and Jed and, and the crew that they put together, and no credit <laughs> to Jeff Loeb anymore, like <laughs> just none.
0: Um, if you're curious what we're talking about, this uh, is in reference to, um, what was it? it? was an interview that someone that was on the cast, it was the the guy who played Nobu, correct?
1: I believe that's in, right.
0: In the Netflix series. I mean, he was in multiple different series, but... Um, he was mostly
1: in Daredevil and Defenders, right? But he was, yeah, like you said, he, he was, was in a bunch.
0: Yeah, but he was... Uh, he, I can't remember the exact circumstance. I should have pulled this up before we started recording, but I forgot and was just going to go on an angry rant. Anyway, um, he said that Jeff, like they, they wanted, was it in reference to, God, now I can't remember the situation, but basically Jeff Loeb was a racist fuck. And he like, didn't want the Asians prominently in a certain part of the storyline because who cares about Asians? Like verbatim.
1: (laughs) Here, here it is. Uh, it was there were several storylines that the p- creators on Daredevil wanted to revisit, and including that was a, like really developing a bunch of these characters from the hand, including
0: yeah, no
1: Madame Blue Gao. and that and, and he made extremely racist comments and just super dismissive, like just saying that no one has any interest in this, so we're not going to do it, and it, but saying it in a super super racist way, but I don't really want to repeat,
0: yeah,
1: and yeah um, and then they
0: didn't get invited to like the premiere or something like right
1: yeah, they didn't invite him,
0: yeah, those two actors, Madame Gao and Nobu, and then um, I guess he like stopped an Asian lead from being cast as Iron Fist as well yeah um so <laughs>
1: when you when you put those Talk things him. together, it's like, yeah, uh, it was. The character who played, uh, or the, the the actor who played Nobu, uh, is Peter Shinkoda Yeah, and he's yeah he he was just very very candid about it, and he it seemed like he like liked a lot of the producers and writers on the series other than him. Like like yeah. he, he he believed them that they had I the I I de- these ideas from when he did work on the show, and, and was just he was very disappointed because it was so dismissive and awful of uh, of Loeb, and it, it is just like knowing the people he works with and is hired, knowing. The fact that S.H.I.E.L.D., which is, as we've discussed, conventionally the most successful Marvel series, even more than the Netflix series in more recent years as far as viewership, which is crazy. Like, it doesn't make sense because of the way the hype is and the way what's popular or cool is it doesn't make sense to me in a lot of ways, even though I love S.H.I.E.L.D. But, like, the fact that he built all this on the work and talents of a bunch of, of Asian-American women, and just, it's, it makes it even more upsetting. Like, it would be upsetting anyway, but it's just like, oh, come on, man.
0: <laughs> like Yep. Yep. Yeah. Oh, so yeah, fuck Jeff Loeb. Good riddance. <laughs> uh, sorry I ever said a nice thing about him. I mean, also I got that vibe from him like at the panel that we went to at
1: it was uh, weird. WonderCon. He was just yeah. kind of an
0: asshole and just like, I don't want to be here type of thing. But I was like, but you know, all these good things are happening under his care. But yeah, despite instead of because of Well, I think
1: I think that we're not usually too you and I, even though we I think we want to see the good in people. We don't usually assume the best with people like him. So (laughs) I feel like it's also like we really we like Shield so much, and we like the work that the good people have put in, and that these creators and actors have put in. Like it just sucks because so much of it are people who are, you know, not behind the scenes or who are behind the scenes. Like either way, in front of the camera, either like so much of this show, and it seems like you know, the MCU that it's connected to, their, if, even if they're not good, they're, like, on an upward arc, you know, they're trying yeah. to be better, and then you find out this guy, who is, like, an older white dude, you know, got his start writing screen screenplays in the early 80s, so it's, like, he's been it doing this sense. shit for, for almost yeah. 40 years. It, yeah, it's, like, it's not, uh, the least surprising thing, but it doesn't make it good at all, or, or okay at all. Like, it's definitely upsetting. It sucks that, I guess, it doesn't seem like it's getting... As much attention, I think, as it would because it's all shows that are over already, Mm -hmm. but it still sucks.
0: Yeah, which I feel like that's why the actor felt like he could say something. I don't, you know, like. Oh, absolutely. Clearly, I mean, that was from like the first or second season of Daredevil. That was like much, much long before, you know, a lot longer before everything was canceled and Disney Plus was coming out. So that was like years before that.
1: Yeah, he so. he could have said he he could have said something a long time ago, but he like you said he waited till there was no chance for him to get <laughs> rehired, yeah. probably, or or for them to freak out and have any control over his career and yeah, well
0: now well, and really the fact that Jeff anyway. Loeb's <laughs> Jeff Lobe's getting
1: pushed out, so yeah, he has he has less power too. That's that probably has something to do with it. the The other person we were disappointed in was it's not nearly as malicious, but it's still not good. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's
0: the the kid that played uh, Robbie's little brother, which Gabe.
1: Yeah, um, uh, Lorenzo James Henry.
0: Yeah, uh, I just kind of assumed he was Latino. He's Italian. What the fuck? It's
1: <laughs> so- just it's just like the woman who was in the second and third season of uh, Supergirl. She's her. I, I think she's the sister of the of uh, the model Adriana M- Mello. Is that right? No, that's not it. I can't remember the name, but it's some it's some woman who has an Italian name that sounds vaguely Latinx who yeah. pretends to be a Latina, and she's done it in like at least three shows. She has played a, a Mexican or a Puerto Rican woman, or and it's just like, what the hell, guys? Like, yeah. stop! An Italian with a tan is not a Mexican. Like,
0: yeah, not flat, even
1: and and it is like. That stuff's coming out now more and more. It's it's weird. It's a weird side effect, and it sucks because it's like I've talked to a lot of people, who are like, we don't care about the blackface episode of Golden Girls. We want you to change actual policies and to make and to make new things. Like, like even on the Hollywood side, even on the, the what what can Hollywood do? Because they can't change you know laws or whatever, but they can stop hiring racist assholes. Stop you know marginalizing everyone but white voices. Like I don't know
0: they could not cast you know they could actually properly cast people and it's like I, I don't feel like this is really the kid's fault but also he in his you know he could have said no this is not i i don't fit this role i am not chicano like so but also that's like that's on the casting directors and the producers for like well, green lighting that too and it sucks because it's like okay gabriel luna was cast and i'm sure he was like what the fuck like why are you casting this kid as my brother like he is not connected to this i don't know this heritage at all <laughs> you know like it's it's so lame and a- part is. of it wonders if they cast him because gabe was supposed to be like the smart one and he was, you know, he was supposed to be like going places and stuff. And so I'm like, mm, is there a little bit of racism there? Oh
1: god, that's makes it even worse. See, I was thinking honestly that it was just laziness because he was in the fear the walking dead as the the biracial, I think, Mexican-American son.
0: Of course.
1: <laughs> and I think they were just like, Oh, who's the best Mexican teenager kid in a, oh oh the one that was on The Walking Dead who isn't actually Mexican? Yeah, well, kid.
0: that makes sense that they would assume that he is.
1: Yeah, um, I, I, this this might not even be because of Jeff Love's racism or the casting director's racism. Well, we know they're capable of that cuz we talked before about how the guy from uh who played Sunil Bakshi is like super Greek. <laughs> like I think both his parents are Greek American. Yeah. It's like he's not
0: South Asian at yeah. all. <laughs> yeah. But
1: I mean also how many Greek roles like like you said it's hard to blame actors because like how many how many roles for a Greek character are there? I mean, I know we, it's not it's not a person of color but at the same time it's like, unless you're in uh, the, my big fat Greek wedding sequel or whatever, like, like that's not a whole they lot of could, s- specifically.
0: They could have cast that character as uh, that actor as Ward. You know what I mean? Like Ward didn't have to be like your typical white dude. Like, oh, absolutely. Have, like racially ambiguous looking white people. <laughs> like- oh yeah, Ab- absolutely.
1: And he, and like, if they really liked that actor, then why couldn't they change the script to make him, you know, instead of Sunil Bakshi, why can't they make him somebody Cassavetes or or, yeah. or some some clearly yeah. greek name like yeah. like what's the harm in that it's not like it's something like oh well we really need this propagandist to be south asian for some right? reason because <laughs> <Fuck. laughs> if that's the case then it is super racist
0: yeah it's it's just a weird choice and um when i said that thing about you know gabe being the the actor who played gabe I didn't mean that as like overtly like looking at that character like well he's smart so we can't cast a proper latino I feel like that's a part of like internalized racism that pops out where it's like innate it's like oh well we want to cast a more white looking character for that role we don't want him to look too mexican you know what i mean
1: absolutely (laughs) like like, i'm sure like how colorism comes into play when when you know it's been pointed out that a lot of roles for for black women come to women with with a much lighter uh, complexion in hollywood and like i'm sure that there's a good section of openly racist casting directors and like you say who just don't even realize that it's like that there's these weird societal cues and and biases because it's in all of us you know we grew up in a white supremacist system so it's not it's not it's not a lot of people's fault you know (laughs) if it's in there you just have to
0: but the responsibility there is to acknowledge it and actively be you know do something differently to break that cycle and so i think that's where uh people have failed (laughs) massively here
1: yes because well usually people don't do it at all internally and like without without something happening or someone from the outside like awakening them to it and then even still for the most part i think people react really defensively instead of instead of accepting it and saying oh wait that's true why do i why did i think that why did i feel that way And like we just need to be cool with not being done yet. None of us are done with who we are until you're dead, you know? So like just keep evolving and yeah, I don't know. It'd be boring if everyone was perfect already or just who they were either, either one of those things. And is it really shitty that we have to like interrogate racism? Yes, but it's much worse for all the people who are victims of racism.
0: yeah, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And it sucks because then you like, like I said, I mean, you second guess everything, every choice, because you're like, okay, like, why are they making this decision about who they're casting for this person? Why did they write this storyline for this character? Is it because it was like already planned? Like, did they cast that person because they have a certain image of what that type of character would look like, and it's racist? You know, it's just like, it sucks, and, well, and it, it
1: makes me think about all sorts of stuff with context now, knowing about Jeff Loeb, like oh, you mentioned God, before yes. with the origins of, of hive i remember you mentioning before that you know the inhuman that was that, that they had uh in the one like ancient inhuman origin yeah. thing it, it, they specifically cast a person of color you know i have them dressed in like tribal
0: you know yeah, stuff like like, a, like indigenous
1: but it's supposed yeah. to be you know a caveman or whatever and it's like that's yep. the way they do like and I i get i get that it's probably not anything conscious but still you know those choices that the casting directors and with the costuming people made like it's just so tropey and like and cliche and unintentionally i think probably racist but still super colonial and racist it's like oh this is what an uncivilized person looks like or 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 pre-person like like that's just gross like because because people are still in indigenous cultures like Mm not nearly as great a number but the the, like those cultures do still exist like not not untouched by modern society because They do still exist, but like, but not, not a part of it, you know, a a, a part from us. And like, I think that it's just such, such ignorance (laughs) to pretend that like, oh, that's, that's a thing that used to exist because we're not around it at all.
0: Like, there's no indigenous white people. Like, have you been to Norway or like (laughs) Finland? There's, there are indigenous people that live there that have white skin, but they're indigenous. Like not, you know, like just the, the whole like.
1: Well, a lot of it's just as foreign to like you know a uh, uh, you know British, you know uh, yeah. English-speaking you know European-descended American. Like you know you go there and the languages sound insane, and they still you know believe in like uh, Norse gods. Like it's still an yeah. active religion there, but like you call it mythology, and we call it like we call it paganism when it's an in, in, in indigenous in you know, a culture. But yeah. it's like But if you're a
0: white girl on Instagram, oh I'm you know tapping into my witchy my side. Roots. Yeah, yeah, it's like, okay, that's okay. And that's gonna be portrayed a certain way versus like the actual people that that culture came from. It's just Yep. Racism is just everywhere and it's it's obnoxious and it's gross
1: because we knew it existed, I think, with SHIELD, but it's like we thought that the people making it were not actively a part of it, and it sucks to know someone who has so much power is.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not like you said, it's not unexpected, but to have it really like out there, like in your face, it's just super it's super Just think of like who could have been in Jeff Loeb's position instead and how much different maybe the shield could have been. I mean, it's still great the way it is, but you've got right. those little decisions about like, oh wow, this could have actually meant something. This could have been a real like pivotal moment of representation or inclusion, like or just like a changing of that. Like paradigm of of racist casting or storytelling, you know what I mean? Like this could have been so much more, and there could have been people whose careers could have been so much more for if there was someone at the top bringing people up that don't normally get that opportunity because they're not white.
1: Well, ab- absolutely, it's like it's everything a- you just said is is, <laughs> is is it's so important. It's like these. Yeah. C- I, I,
0: because how long just, has this show been going on? Like this is the
1: seventh, seventh year, year, I think. Like yeah. or just about eight years, I think. Yeah, with the, all like imagine.
0: Yeah, imagine having like a black female producer like in charge of Shield, for example. Like,
1: yeah, we both just listened to that episode of a uh, of Nicole Byers' podcast. Why won't you date me? With Roxanne Gay, where she was talking about like every single black creator in Hollywood, especially. Uh, women of color, you know, have, have developed so many pilots that no one will ever see yep. because they, before they actually get their foot through the door, they have to keep trying over and over again and prove themselves in such a way. And it's like, if they just got the credit, like Jeff Loeb literally made one successful movie, ended up moving into comics, became big in comics, comics brought him into movies and TV. And he like rode that, that success. The, the, he wrote, rode the bubble of comic movies, you know, it's like, which none of that's his, like he didn't have anything to do with the Iron Man movie or, you know, uh, Batman Begins or the X Men movies. He had nothing to do with that stuff that got got it started. But he's reaping all the benefits of it, and it's just because he knew the right people was in a good situation. And he's an old white man, you know. It's like it just it it sucks.
0: <laughs> um um, but yeah. So that's our. A rant about...
1: We front-loaded our digression.
0: <laughs> I don't know. There might be a lot more because this episode is really good. <laughs> There's a lot in here. It's um, true. So before we get started with the episode, we are a part of the But Why Though podcast community. So be sure to check them out on Twitter and But Why Though PC. We are super proud to be a part of their community. Um, this is Season 5, Episode 7, titled Together... That is not the title. Together or not at all. <laughs>
1: Together, of not at all. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Together or not at all. Uh, Written by Matt Owens, directed by Brad Turner, originally aired January 12th, 2018. It's been a long time since we recorded, so I actually had to like do go and read the Wikipedia, like the not at Wikipedia because there's no Wikipedia entry for any season five episodes, but like go, I think it was like Den of Geek or something. I had to go read a synopsis of the last episode because I couldn't remember. And (laughs) My Google account is being crazy and it wouldn't let me into um, our notes from our last episode. So I was like, okay, cool. I don't know what happened. Um, <laughs> so oh, <no. laughs> basically, uh, they have escaped, kind of. <laughs> They're trying to escape. Uh, this is Daisy, you know, and May, or Daisy and Sonara battled it out in the arena. May has now been sent to the surface of Earth. Um, uh, what happened? Oh, Fitz, Gemma, and Daisy are now running away. So they're still escaping at this point. (laughs) And Fitz has a ship that he, him and Enoch came there on, obviously. And he's like, look, I have a ship that the plan is we'll figure out the plan when we get to the ship. Um, And okay. So there's this, there's this moment where Fitz checks on Daisy and he's like, how's your head? And he's like being all gentle and sweet with her. And she's like, Oh, you know, I'm like, I'm okay, whatever. And she's like, Oh, it's really good to see you. And it's like so painful seeing them like this right now because we know what's coming <laughs> like that's just going to completely shatter their relationship. And it's like, Oh, I'm, I'm trying to savor these last moments of them being friends like this. Cause it hurts. Um, and then suddenly Gemma's implant in her ear starts making her head ring and she's like in a lot of pain. And uh, conveniently, they are in a room that has medical supplies. And so <laughs> Fitz is going to remove the, the thing from her ear. Um, but then a Kree shows up. And so Daisy goes to fight the Kree and she realizes she doesn't have her powers because she has that little inhibitor thing in her head. And so she just does it without power. She beats this Kree down um, and Fitz gets the implant out of, of Gemma's ear. Um, and then they run off. Uh, and they go to a room with a window and they're like, there's the ship. And then the ship explodes. So <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> now they got to figure something else out. Um, So we go back to Cassius, and he's very distressed because now he has a scar on his face. And he's like, is it noticeable? Oh no. And his brother's like, your priorities are not proper. Um, And he's being very impatient. He's like, we need to go get these, these, you know, these people. um, And, I was like, oh, Sonara will take care of it. It's fine, and she's she's kind of looking at him like she's mad still. Which, yeah, fair. Like, and then the brother, I forget his name. I think we learned it last episode. I, I
1: think we cared. did. I, I, <laughs> me too. And I, 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 I hate the character so much. I yeah, he's kind of just don't brother.
0: Care. Yeah,
1: it's sort <laughs> of like well, like Ivanov. How we didn't know his name for a while. Like same same thing.
0: Oh, didn't you have something you came up with for Ivanov?
1: I'm not sure if, if I ever mentioned AI. It. Yeah, because he was Anton Ivanov. <laughs> Did I mention that on an episode? I can't remember. No, I
0: think we were just talking, and you talked about it. So yeah,
1: but it just occurred to me at one point that yeah, we we should have figured that one out because <laughs> yeah. I, I was trying to figure out why who, who the character was based on. Because like, there's a couple characters that have similar names, but not the exact same one in the comics, and I, I guess that's probably it.
0: Yeah. so anton ivanov uh initialed ai huh yeah
1: <laughs> he became a legion of robots and also one other russian guy for some yeah.
0: reason. <laughs> <laughs> oh i feel like there's a lot of for some reason in this episode too but anyway so <laughs> brother brother kree wants his own men to to hunt and kill uh the rest of the team and then take <gasps> daisy and he's going to use human weapons because he's like oh you know we find it entertaining to uh use these primitive weapons against their own people or whatever or something which gross. you get
1: like super like imperialistic like oh,
0: looking, yeah. looking
1: down on other societies like just super he's he's a very good representation of like just imperialism in general also oh. is his name like at one point when he's uh talking smack to Kasaius, he says something about, like, "You shame the Casayas family name." So is that their last name? And does he call his brother by their own last name, like, like his nickname? It's like one. It's like somebody named Jonesy, and me calling them Jonesy all the time. Like, I don't know. It's uh, I didn't
0: even, I didn't even catch that. But
1: at one point, he says the Casayas family name, and it made me think, like, are you also named
0: Casias? <laughs> 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 oh God, uh, whatever. I feel like this. This dude's storyline ends with this episode, so I'm not gonna dwell on it.
1: <laughs> he does have his own name. I remember if yeah. I can't remember what it is.
0: Oh God. Um, so yeah. Uh so the the other Kree are gonna go take care of this and Sonara is left standing there and she's kind of staring at at uh, was like, yeah, I'm not happy. <laughs> um but they have she's, a very. She's it, good in
1: general, but she's really good at that expression. At that, like, yeah. I, I am so pissed off right now.
0: Yeah, like, fuck you! You sent me to my death. Thanks a lot. Although their relationship is a little bit more complicated than I gave it credit for, like a couple episodes ago, and I had oh, forgotten yeah. about this. So that I'm
1: moment, gonna, at the, there's a moment at the end where yeah. it's the most I've I've liked Cassius, and I think the last I'll ever like him. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> oh God. Um. So. Colson and Mac are like standing in some corridor, watching as the Cree drag Tess's body away. If you've forgotten, Tess was hanged because she helped Flint escape, and the Cree know that they know she was involved somehow. Um, and and Colson's like, you know, the Cree are smart; they're gonna eventually like follow the trail and figure out that we're involved with this and that we have Flint, and so we need to figure our shit out now. So they leave. Um, And then Sonara meets Kasaius in the hallway and he's like, let's go. There's work to be done. And she's just like, "Mm -hmm, yeah, I know. Um, And he's like, you know, I'm trying to get us our freedom. And she's like our freedom. (laughs) Um, And he basically like tries to flatter her and appeal to her like sense of, you know, the bigger picture and begs her to help him. And she's like, you're begging. And he's He's like, you know, we just have to play the game. I just need to keep my brother entertained and happy and you um get inside Daisy's head and figure out where she would go next and you find her. And God, so weird. Um so No, it's Daisy. it is he, like like <laughs> he, like, he
1: defers to her like expertise and to her actually being competent in a way where it's so strange cuz like it's def it's not gaslighting. It's definitely manipulation, yeah, but it's also but- like But also, like, honest manipulation in a weird way.
0: But also, like, knowing, like, later on when they talk about how, like, she saved him and they had this whole plan to, like, get away because Cassius like, was not meant for battle and she's kind of, like, the strategic mind. Like, or she's the muscle, at least in this relationship. It's like.
1: But the fact that she, like, wanted to help him facilitate that shows that she's not, like, just the warrior that everyone wants her to be. So they both. I think wanted freedom from this society and he caved after she saved him. He ended up getting them both stuck in this like even worse version of their society as like pariahs on this, on this uh, outpost.
0: So it's almost like he's reminding her like, Hey, we got up in this, we got in this fucked up situation and we need to play our roles to like get out of it. And I don't know, there's obviously like their relationship is kind of strained right now because he, he seemed like he was willing to just sacrifice her for that when she was the one that like, facilitated all of this essentially
1: <laughs> and so. you do like like i honestly do believe him when he says that he had faith in her abilities but at the same time it's like you get you can't do that without someone's consent or talking to them about it first without it being you're willing to sacrifice them you know yeah. like you're putting them in that danger either way
0: yeah yep agreed um so uh where am i at mm-hmm. oh so daisy gemma and fitz go into this elevator and they're like going somewhere and then brother, the brothers Kree uh, stop, he like disables the elevator and he's, he's on to where they are. Um, but they're like, okay, we got to get out of here. So they escaped through the top of the elevator, the little escape hatch thing. Um, Meanwhile, while all of this is going on, May is on the surface of the Earth and she's running away from those alien things. The ver, what are they called again? Ver- or something? Yes, whatever. Um, roaches, and- <laughs> they call them. The roaches, yeah. And a roach starts like hunting her, and she's saved by Enoch, and he's been pursuing her, and he's like, "This is the third roach," he says the proper name, but that, that I've killed in pursuit of you and
1: oh he had the best line where he's like he's like never to toot my own <laughs> horn as you would say she goes i would never say that which is totally what i was thinking like when she said that i was like yeah humans might say that but not um, And she said it. i know
0: and then obviously i haven't watched like past Episode like what one for season seven, but the fact that he is still having trouble keeping up with her, even in season seven, like this is how their relationship started, and he just like can't be on her level. Like she's too cunning for him.
1: Well, I, and I do like that, like that is like that's gotta be intentional. But oh, the yeah. first scene together in season seven <laughs> is, is him searching for her when she's supposed to be uh recuperating and unconscious, and she's in the she's in like the rafters watching yeah. him. <laughs>
0: Like here, it's like her quadriceps have been like severed and she's still like walking around, like, you know, evading him. And he's like having trouble keeping up with her. It's so good. Um, And then she's like, who, who the fuck are you? And he's like, oh, I'm friends with or he doesn't say I'm friends with Fitz. I was he sent here know, by <laughs> I was sent here by Fitz. And she's like, I thought Fitz was done with robots. And he has his line of I'm not a robot. I'm a sentient chromicon. <laughs> um, and he tells them how he's there to aid each member of the team. He goes down the list. And he says, Philip J. Colson. And she's like, you're the little shit from the diner. <laughs> and she like, tries to go after him. And he's like, no, no, no. Like, I'm here to help you. Like, you know, wh- whatever. And he's like, what is your role? Like, are you a or Are you a doctor or whatever? And she's oh, like, yeah. Because no, she's
1: diagnosed her own injury. And he asked if she's, like, yeah. if she's a doctor.
0: Yeah. And that's when we realized, like, hey, you shouldn't even be standing because your muscle is, like, gone. Like, not di- not attached <laughs> to where it's supposed to be. And she's like, well, I'm a fighter. And he goes, it may be time for a career change. <laughs> oh, God. And then um, there's, like, all this noise and, you know, uh, commotion. And, and the, roaches the roaches start to
1: flee, right?
0: Yeah, and they're afraid of something. And he's like, oh, they're afraid of the gravity storm. But they are able to ride the gravity storms. Um, And she's like, well, what do we do? And so they... Before I, I, I don't even remember the end of the conversation, but Enoch gets hooked by someone and gets dragged away by this chain and then May starts to float in the air because the gravity is like going crazy and then she also gets hooked. And it was it
1: get, was a good it was a good moment. Uh Enoch was, was like going through it in his head, like verbalizing, and he's like, Well, like they're not afraid of me. And they're not afraid of the gravity storm because they can ride it. He's like, what are they afraid of? And then he gets hooked by whatever, by yeah. whatever grabs them. And like, yeah, there we it go. was a very effective, like not horror movie, but like sci-fi thriller kind of moment. Yeah. Like This this, this episode goes through a lot of stuff. Like it has really great character moments, like between several characters, but also some good action and some good like suspenseful stuff. It's a, uh, they pack a lot in, in
0: this yeah, one. They really do um so the brothers kree dude finds the humans that are like carting fruit around he asks daisy where daisy is he's like where is the destroyer and he's like i don't know and so he slices his throat and i feel like okay this is not your best man that you've sent out because he's just asking random humans where daisy is and is like they'll know where she is like or and if they don't i'll just kill them it's like you're gonna end up killing everybody on the space but whatever his his hunting skills are not the best um so he he sees that the elevator hatch is open though and so he's like oh they went this way so <laughs> curry or not they're interesting interesting writing for these characters it's just like eh, whatever they don't matter <laughs> i'll just <laughs> give them this lazy this lazy plot um meanwhile uh colson and yo-yo and mac or, and flint are trying to figure out what to do they're like okay we need to like find the rest of the team like how are we going to do that And Flint and and like the three adults are talking and Flint is like, wait, where's Tess? And he keeps asking it and they're just like not hearing him. And he finally yells, where's Tess? And they all just get silent. And then Mac is like, I'm sorry. And Flint walks away test was like his only family and mac is like yo-yo goes to talk she like moves to go talk to him and mac is like no i got this and he's gonna go talk to him because he's the best dad ever and he needs to go dad flint (laughs) when they
1: both like are very protective of him already i think yo-yo because he's a young and human who just got his powers and mac because like you say like he's got the best like paternal instincts in the world yeah
0: and i think also like because it's so soon after him losing hope for the second time, he, especially in this episode, he is obviously reeling from that. And he, his, some of his choices that he makes are very much based off of that loss, I think. And this is one of them. I agree. He wants to protect and help this kid because he, you know, has lost his own. Um so Cassius and, and his brother are chatting about human weapons, and Cassius is, like, desperately trying to find something that they have a common interest in. He's like, oh, these, these knives or these guns, that seems like something you would like that we're both interested in. And his and brother is just like, you're a disgrace, blah, blah, blah. And then we find out the backstory of why Cassius is here. Um, so the story is that Cassius ran from battle. Uh, his two best warriors were slain right before him, and Sonara saved his life. And so, because they, he did not die with honor. Uh, they were exiled. The two of them were exiled.
1: When well, this is uh, where we get a hint of something that comes up later in the season, where his brother says, "You should have drank the odium yeah. and you know jumped into battle like like any good Kree would." Like like basically saying, like you, even when you knew you were going to die, you should have roided up. And become super strong, and tried to die, you know, fight impotently and die, you know, pointlessly for, to preserve our family's honor. Basically,
0: yeah, yeah. Um, and then Kasai's is just giving excuses, like, "Well, I would, you know, this and this and this," and it's like. He just has survival instincts, dude. Like,
1: <laughs> yeah, really, it's like his yeah. excuse. His excuse is, "I'm smarter than this backwards-ass society." <laughs>
0: like, I didn't want to die, so I didn't. You know, I feel yeah. like there's something there.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I saw that I didn't have to for any reason, and <laughs> chose not to.
0: Oh. Um. So, Daisy, Gemma, and Fitz are in this room that have like a ton of pipes, and they're like, you know, they're kind of like talking through like what's going on, and they realize this is like the life support system hub. And then Fitz goes and opens this window and he's like, oh, no, I think I know how they're getting the uh, artificial gravity in the station. It's gravitonium. <laughs> it's like just in these tubes, like floating around. Which I was call like, back
1: to like what first season?
0: Yeah, yeah. Season one with Ian Quinn, uh, who is the who should be the brother of that's name? right Bri- brian quinn is that what that's me, i his think, his think that's was? what we started <laughs> because
1: he got the same letters as ian uh who, yeah Hilo played from, by Hilo.
0: yeah <laughs> what is his name tamo penicent yeah man that was so Love long ago
1: almost um, yeah like what like almost 100 episodes ago uh, this is our 98th
0: man um so uh And in this moment, the Kree catches up to them and he starts shooting at them with a machine gun and a bullet ricochets off of some pipes and gets Fitz in the gut. And he's like, I could either play with you or you could surrender and come with me. And so they fake surrender. And then Daisy goes after him. uh, And, you know, there's there's some combat there and and Fitz and Gemma are able to escape. Um, And then Daisy does something. So there's a bunch of steam and he can't see. And so she's she she runs after them and escapes as well. And they go into this room and deke is hiding in the shadows with his mask and she's like daisy's like you (laughs) and um she is so mad she like starts hitting him and like pushes him up against some pipes and is like what the fuck and he's like well you know he tries to he tries to um not the smartest guy sometimes he tries to like proclaim his innocence and how he actually wants to help him for the by the fact that he escaped the room that colson welded him into and daisy is like that does not make me feel better that colson locked you in your room and you escaped it because he clearly thought that you should not be a part of this situation um but he's like no i'm here i'm team shield like and it's funny because like gemma and fitz this is the first time they've met him right Gemma didn't th- know him before? Or-
1: I think so. Maybe no, cuz Gemma Gemma did uh, in the first episode, right? Because like, before she got taken by uh Cassius's people before she fixed the guy who was hurt, uh they'd all enco- I thought they'd all encountered him. But I remember, but I can't Fitz, now. I can't Fitz- know for sure, but Fitz is not
0: because yeah, he he he's like at him at all. He's like, "Hey, you dude, like <laughs> grandpa." <laughs> but Yeah, it's just like, "Oh, this is the first time that the three of them are all together."
1: Well, and um, he they- doesn't know, I think they have met, but I think he doesn't know Daisy's name or anything like that yet. Like, I think I think that they've just barely, if they've met, they've barely uh, encountered each other.
0: Yeah, because Gemma, like, got captured, like, I think in episode, like, one or two.
1: Yeah, she got captured early on.
0: Yeah. I'm trying to remember, like, the circumstance. Yeah, because they all, like... I think May was the one that was the only one that was separated from everybody else. Like the rest of them were all together. Anyway, whatever. Um, yeah, because Mac and Days De- and-, and Gemma were talking about magic, so they were all together. <laughs> they were fighting about how they got there by magic. Um, so anyway, Deke has a plan, and he's going to help. He's going to help them, and so they run away. Um, so uh, Flint and and Mac are. Are having a moment, Flint is sitting down and Matt comes over and I i had forgotten how significant this relationship was, like we said, because, uh, you know, at the end of season six, like Flint comes back, spoiler, if you haven't seen season six, sorry, this is a rewatch <laughs> podcast, so whatever. Um, and I was like, oh, like, that's really cool. And then, like, when we saw, like, Flint, you know, get his powers and how Yo-Yo and him were were kind of interacting. And I was like, oh, now it makes sense, like, why he was the one to come back. But now it's like, oh, I had forgotten that Mac and Flint are having a moment as well. And he's like, you know, I'm not here to tell you anything you don't already know. I'm just here if you need me, which is, like, the sweetest thing. And Flint wants to go turn himself in. He's like, I want, you know, like it's because of me. They're after me. Like my friends are, you know, people are going to get hurt. And just as he's about to answer, I think Max is like, No, don't go anywhere, or whatever. He's like, There's a banging on the door.
1: Well, and Sorry. and like he also talks about like uh, Mac, like imparts on him that like because he has these abilities, like he can use them to help to to help save people's lives and help stop people from being hurt and like you said like he wants to take response once he says that like he's like i'm gonna take responsibility for what i've caused and like they have a they have a really great relationship right there it's like mac like you said is the best dad in the world in the notes and like like, and he is and he he wants to i think be there for this kid and it's cool because in a lot of situations like this i think in in film or television there's like some growing pains or period and i mean it happens both ways in real life where you know a kid will push back and not accept that help but i like that he's not that kid he's not a little punk kid who's acting out because his parents don't understand he has no parents he wants someone to look out for him and he just lost the only person who was who was also a peer but was the only person who had his back i guess well, they apply to that he had a relationship with Virgil so the one adult yeah. and his one peer are both gone in like a period of two days like i i i love that like he open he he like accepts max uh offer of help and and a compassion and mentorship like with open arms like he like yeah. listens to him immediately uh, and trusts him and I, like a part of that i think is the strength of both Henry Simmons acting and the, and the development of Max character, just because you believe that I, I believe that a kid would be, would, would feel that way would open up to him because he would engender that sort of like feeling of safety or that feeling of being comfortable.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think so. And I think like you said, like this is a very harsh world and like Flint has nobody. And I think the fact that like, Matt came over there just to be a sort of a, a sense of comfort to him like a lo- like that gave him permission to just let go and like lean on him in that moment and then like you know Matt gives him very good advice like you need you know you could you need to use your powers to protect people and he kind of takes that too far <laughs> um but also not um
1: yeah I'm, before i I have mixed feelings about it for sure I, yeah. I I'm, I'm okay with it <laughs>
0: yeah um so before they're able to finish their conversation, there's a banging on the door, and max like stay here. I'm gonna go check this out and so like you know colson and 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 yo-yo and mac are like kind of inching towards the door and they have colson has his gun but it's daisy and they're like oh thank god and now everybody's back together yay and colson and maxi fits and mac is like turbo and (laughs) it's so cute and they're like how did you get here and he's like i took the long way (laughs) um and then deke pops in and everybody's like oh you and everybody's just like silent and and deke is like yeah i you know i i found a way out like whatever um And then Mac is like, okay, we got to, we got to, you know, I got to tell Flint, we got to figure out what we're doing. And then he goes over to find that Flint is gone. And... Um, he is going to go turn himself into the Kree. And he's okay. So, this gave me big, like Luke from Return of the Jedi feels when he's walking into Jabba's Palace. Cause he's like, got
1: like not a poncho thing, like a space poncho. It's cool. Yeah. He looks cool. Yeah. It looks like yeah. Luke in his outfit. Yeah.
0: He has his hood up and he's walking up to the Kree. And the Kree's like, Do you have information about the Inhuman? And he like pulls the hood back and he's like, I am the Inhuman or whatever. <laughs> and um, he's like, I'm here you know, uh, I'm not going to let any more people die. And the, there's another Kree there that's, like, searching his pockets and he finds a bunch of rocks. And then Flint turns the rocks into this, like, like, bullet projectile looking thing and shoots it through the Kree's body. And he is now dead. Um, and then the other Kree's like, whoa, what the fuck? And Sonara shows up and knocks Flint out. And she's like, we're going to use him as bait. Meanwhile, Daisy, Mack, and Coulson are watching the whole thing, and they're, like, oh, she's the situation strategically. She's, like, okay, what are his powers? He can move rocks. Okay, cool. And what do we have? She's, like, I don't have my powers. And Coulson's, like, yeah, well, we have a gun. Um, And so Daisy walks out and she's like, no, 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 don't hurt him. Like, I'm here. Like, just take me instead. Leave him. And Sonara's like, oh, I'll take you both. And then Coulson shoots Sonara with the gun. And Mac hits the other Kree over the head with this, like, gas canister. And... Uh, he pulls out like a a machine gun and like starts shooting around and I just feel like shooting guns on a a space station is a really bad idea
1: well no Um, and it's like (laughs) I also feel like that's maybe why they didn't use guns with bullets usually it's like this is such weird plot convenience stuff because it's because Cassius's stupid brother's like use their own weapons against them (laughs)
0: used that before right Sonara oh. just used her ball things and they yeah and other guys had, had like knives or something right and they
1: had like stunning weapons i think like like yeah. they like hit him with batons and knock him out uh, like and they could just hit buttons it would affect their metrics don't they all have metrics but oh, except, yeah. except one or somebody i don't i, I can't remember but like they, they should be able to do that
0: yeah daisy's the lo- only one without a metric yeah why so. can't
1: they just this is stupid <laughs> <laughs>
0: nobody is thinking this through they're all just like in this like crazy like savagery you know whatever
1: i do think it works story-wise though to illustrate that his brother is like
0: is is a bro
1: douchey (laughs) asshole yeah Yeah. he's like warrior why didn't you suicide yourself like a cool guy or like (laughs) why would
0: you why would you use this this convenient technology to incapacitate our enemies like we need to kill them and in you know and uh in a hot-blooded way. So he, he wants stupid. to make it more
1: like Rambo. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
0: exactly. Um, so, also, so they everybody just goes back to that room that was uh, Grill's, like, factory place. And I'm like, how, have, n- how has nobody figured out that this is where they're hiding? Because aren't, like, a ton of people supposed to be working there? And somehow, they have just barricaded themselves in this room, and there's nobody else in there. <laughs> like, did people just show up to work and be like, oh, work's closed, guess I can't work. Like... I don't understand, but anyway, more co- more weird plot things. Yeah, that
1: does feel really weird. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, like I don't know, and so it's the creating- it's like your
1: version of the it's this season's version of the playground. <laughs> like, yeah,
0: it's- it's- nobody knows where this room is there that Don't anybody's in this room it.
1: it's got a bar on top <laughs> yeah
0: good lord um so they finally decide that they're gonna go to the surface and they're all kind of all arguing like how are they gonna do that and flint throws a big rock over at the door and he's like okay stop arguing we need to work together and figure out what's happening um leave it to the teenager to be the only one that's like reasonable right um and then he uh Push, he puts a bunch of rocks against the door because um, the Kree catch up to them and are trying to get through the door, and they're like, hmm, okay, and so they shoot through the wall instead, and they're like, oh, we got to get out of here, and mac is upset with flint because he like left he's like why would you do that and flint is like you told me to use my powers for good and they're after me and daisy's like well that, they're after me too and Jem is like yeah me too and fitz is like yeah me too and <laughs> yo yo is like i don't think they're gonna be picky about who they kill we need to get out of here and colson's like okay this room is full of secret agents scientists and superheroes one of you give me something um and of course, Deke, the only one who does not meet any of that criteria, is like, we're gonna use my belt buckle to float up through the rock chute. <laughs> so um he's like, I'll go first. And Daisy's like, No, you're gonna go last. I don't trust you. And Deke looks really hurt <laughs> after she says this. Oh my god. This whole situation was just like a lot all at once, and just the 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 quick dialogue was cracking me up. And Deke, as usual, is left hurt by everybody else picking on him. <laughs> Nothing much has changed. <laughs> um, so, okay. So this scene stressed me out a lot because it's going back and forth between the Kree, like shooting things through the wall and getting ready to set up explosives. And the team like one by one going up the chute super slowly. I'm like, hello, move faster. <laughs> like there's people coming. Um, so the Kree blow up the wall. And like right before the the brothers dude is like getting ready to blow up the wall, Sonara has her like metal balls up and ready to go. And as soon as the wall blows, she kills the brother's guy. And oh no, they're too late. Everybody's gone. And Sonara sees the shoot door closed and she's like, oh fuck. Um so they get to the trawler and they realize they don't have a pilot. <laughs> and they're like, Hey, Flint, like, wasn't Virgil giving you lessons? He's like, Yeah, but I'm not going with you. And they're like, What? And he's like he has this little superhero moment. He's like, I'm gonna stay behind and protect everybody. Like, I'm responsible for these people. Like I have to help save them. And Mac is like, we'll come up with a plan together. And everybody's like, wait, what? And he's like, yeah, I can't leave this kid behind. We need to help him. And yo-yo is like, yeah, I'm staying too. And I started crying during the scene because I don't know why I didn't catch this before, but obviously like Mac can't leave this kid behind because of what happened in the framework with hope. Right. <laughs> and he feels like he is responsible for this guy and he needs to take care of him and he's just he's the best dad ever and well, oh my God. on
1: a very like visceral level it's like too. it's like seeing them like like that it's like this they, they've, they've adopted this boy right now right yeah. in, this mom- in this moment in this moment because like yo-yo showed protectiveness to him in the previous episode because of him going through his inhuman transformation and now the way the way mac has reached out to him now it's like they are they're both just like they 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 both happen to have seen something in this kid or had something in their own lives that made them need to reach out to this kid and they're together already like it's just it just works beautifully
0: like really does and it works too because like yo-yo was ready to stay with mac in the framework and like die in the framework because he wasn't gonna leave and so it's just that it just mirrors that so beautifully and so painfully <laughs> It does. Oh, um, I don't know how I didn't catch this before. There's a lot that happens in this episode. So I think upon a rewatch, like, yeah, yeah, this is going to get caught. But anyway, so they're going to stay and figure out, you know, how they're, you know, until the rest of the team comes back and figures out how they're all going to leave to go back to the past. Uh, they're going to, you know, they're going to stay here and, and take care of things. Um, And Fitz is like, oh, by the way, um, I hid some shit in the wall. And he's like, it's on level three. And everybody's like, that's where the aliens are. And they're all upset. And Fitz is like, how the hell was I supposed to know that? <laughs> like- no, it's
1: so great. The second he says, there's a shield crate that I hid here. It, like, like Mac is so happy. He's like turbo. He's like, I knew, like, I knew you'd come up. You'd have something planned. And then, and then they say it's on level three. I'm like, you mean the one that's filled with bloodthirsty aliens and want to eat people. And he's like, I feel like I'm not getting credit that I deserve. <laughs> like, how can I possibly know that?
0: I traveled through time and space. Like, we're not focusing on that part enough well, and he had the
1: <laughs> foresight to leave them the weapons but like he didn't know which which floor would be infested by the aliens he didn't know existed like, like
0: fits his exasperation in that moment he's like how oh, okay like he just like stops and is like All that's right.
1: that's the moment where they re- where we really lose fits that's why he's able to go so so bad later on uh, an experiment on, on uh, daisy is because right in that moment they didn't give him the credit <laughs> they gave him shit for that
0: felt like he wasn't appreciated. <laughs>
1: like, well fuck you then.
0: Oh my god. Um <laughs> Okay, so I guess Colson is going to be the pilot because they don't have a pilot and like, how hard, hard so could it be?
1: <laughs> what, it? Yeah, what you said he has a flying car. Like What's the difference?
0: Yeah. And everybody's just like, okay. (laughs) And he has the happiest face when he's taking off in the spaceship. And it's he has some really
1: good lines, like in in relation to it, too. Because then when they're when they get to the surface, he says, he's like, well, It's not designed... He's like, we don't really have any docking options, and it's not really designed to land, because this thing doesn't have landing here. (laughs) Oh, here we go. like, what are we going to do? He's like, I don't know.
0: (laughs) He's just like the ultimate fanboy here. He's like, in the future, flying a spaceship. Like, this is... He's just living the dream.
1: (laughs) He's checking off his... Some stuff off his bucket list.
0: He absolutely is. So, Sonara returns to the brothers, the Kasayas brothers, because that's their last name, I guess. (laughs) That's her family name. And she gives them the bad news that everybody has escaped. And um, she knows that they have people on the surface. She has a little radio. And the brother is like, oh, you guys are so incompetent, blah, blah, blah. And then he's like, where is my man? He will go find them. And she's like, I killed him. And he starts laughing. And he's pleased with her. He's like, oh, I underestimated you. Like, you deserve, like, a leader that's worthy of you. You're going to work for me now. Like, blah, blah, blah. And Casayas. Is he like, looks
1: so sad. <laughs> oh,
0: he is so upset. He's like, "No, this is not happening!" And he stabs his brother through the chest from behind, and he's like, "Sonara is not some object to be taken." Which, whoa, okay, where did that come from? Um, and we get the real story of what happened. That Cassius is the men that were with Cassius in battle uh, were preventing him from leaving, um, and so Sonara killed them. Because she had the foresight to see that he was not meant for the battlefield, that he was meant for different things and she could be the she could be his warrior and he could focus on other things. Um, so he's like, oh, you're just the person that's going to stab somebody in the back. And he's like, no, in the front. And then he stabs him in the front. and He dies. Um, but now him and Sonara are friends again. And. Casais smears his brother's blood on his face. And yeah, he
1: goes, <laughs> he goes crazy. He goes from zero <laughs> to crazy. Like yeah, so quick.
0: And he goes and he starts holding her hand and he's just like, Okay, now the plan is that we're going to quote avenge my brother and then bring the destroyer of worlds to my father, and our plan will be complete. And so now they're back to they're in it together again. They, you know. They're, they're ready to go.
1: <laughs> well, and it seems like his plan is, like, now they have a ticket to legitimately be free in Kree society yes. because he'll be so impressive. They'll just give him the power to do whatever the fuck he wants and he won't be beholden to their stupid, you gotta die for your family bullshit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh,
0: God. Which yeah. It,
1: it, it, it's so weird. Because, like I said, like, this was this was the only moment, I think, for the rest of this half of the season that I even do like him. But when you see that he stands up for Sinari, and and you do see that, like, he owes her and he respects the fuck out of her. Like, she is yeah. not a servant to him. Like, Jesus. like, and even the way <laughs> it, 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 it legitimizes when it, that scene before it seemed when it almost seemed like he was, like, approaching gaslighting or whatever. When he's unintentionally manipulating her, but yeah. also being honest. Like, when he, he was talking to real. her. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, like, like, it could easily be a character like him being blowing smoke up a character's ass when they say, you know, I believe in your strength. You need to lend that strength to me. Again, in my head, while I was watching it on this rewatch, I was thinking like oh bullshit like lend yeah. you your strength you're just her, her, you're just her slave you know driver you know but then it it, you, it with it, with the context that this scene provides you see no she has some affection for him and sees his potential for something else and they both see how restrictive their society is like like, like there's something admirable about their characters they 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 could have been heroes but but their situation and and like, choice is to like not just flee and let his dad like exile them, but also trap them. And you know, like they they're not they weren't just excommunicated from their society and free to do whatever they want. They're basically like prisoners, like 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 they're uh, what Napoleon on Elba. You know, they're right. like they're in exile, quote unquote, but they're also like imprisoned. And it's like it's it's interesting. They like they did a good job of pulling some level of empathy for these characters out of their ass, mm-hmm. like six episodes
0: in (laughs) yeah and it's interesting because like i'm just kind of thinking back and like it it sucks because Sonara has that very stoic asian like warrior thing going on which is like a a horrible trope but um she doesn't like they like obviously are close enough that they have a way of communicating non-verbally and Mm -hmm. it like this like, the revelation of, like, what their relationship actually is is fascinating, like, because of, like, everything that we've seen between them, and it's like, yeah, he asks her to do things, but he never, like, orders her to do things, if you think about it. It's always, like, can you do this? And she's, like, just walks away and does it. You know what I mean? Like, it's a very... I don't know. I wish I would have remembered this before, because I would have paid more attention, I think, to, like, how they interacted, but I... I never... It was never... Now that I think about it, like they never had that dynamic of he was just the sovereign leader and she was just his general. Like it no, was, and I th- and they I think were the, equals the whole time.
1: <laughs> I think because of the way he treats Gemma in particular, we're so we were so ready to see the creepiness in him. Yeah, we, we didn't notice that part. I I, I think, and, and you know, having forgotten uh, some yeah. of the, some of these big revelations, and uh, like props to the actor, you know, uh, to who who uh, is is playing Sonara because she does such an incredible job like you said it's it's kind of a unfortunate because it's such a tropey stereotypical thing but like she does a good job of showing i think some great emotional depth in the in these scenes in this episode and in the last mm-hmm. scene right before kasaias kills his brother i thought she was going to not remembering how it was going to go because i think some of her her uh facial and eye acting in particular like even though she's very like stone face like you could see her almost like looking at Cassius and like saying something like, and I, I, I feel like it was like, I see what you're doing instead of I'll take him out. It's like, yeah. good. I'm glad you're finally stepping up almost or yeah. whatever, but it's very, it's just really great acting and good acting from the guy who plays Cassius, whose name escapes me at the moment, but, but yeah. both, both that, that, that pair did a really good job and they do a really good job together.
0: Yeah. And you know what, now that I'm thinking about it, it makes sense that she would be so hurt by him basically letting Cassius's brother, force her to be in the pit with Daisy because it's like she wasn't allowed to make that decision. But also I feel like she understands that Cassius was forced into that situation and he wasn't, he didn't get the chance to get her consent. He was just like, you have to do this. And she's like, cool. Like thought we were in this together. And so like, I feel like she was ready to go with his brother and saw that Cassius was reacting poorly to it and was like, oh, hell no. It <laughs> was like, okay, now here's your chance to prove that exactly. like, I do mean something to you. And you weren't just choosing for me. Um, it's, a re- it's a really weird little redemption arc between the two of them. It's And it so only really many works like- <laughs>
1: between the two of them. Like, It doesn't work in the greater context <laughs> no. of the whole show. But it does, like, like it, it repairs their relationship. I think you're absolutely right. It's like he was proving what he said wasn't the typical Lex Luthor type villain blowing smoke saying, well, I knew you'd survive. Like he meant it. He's like, I do believe in you and I would do anything to keep you from like being forced back into that bullshit. Like, like that that he can, which is like he, 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 like he both proved what he meant and like redeemed himself for letting his brother uh, put her in the death match. But also I think like in a weird way, like repaid her the debt that he did, she did by killing his Greatest soldiers or whatever, and saving him, you know, and the uh, uh, making them desert when they yeah. were uh, on the their suicide mission before. Yeah. Like it's interesting. Like, like like they do, like completely have each other's backs, and there is something that you know is endearing. When they make when they show show something like that, well, like you want you at least root for their relationship, if not for the characters, you know. Yeah, like,
0: yeah, and like you said, this doesn't like their redemption and their like coming back together does not work in the whole context of the story. But like if you're just focusing on those two characters, like it's a full like complete storyline, and it's very interesting how they're. I mean, like you said, we were so focused on Gemma. And, like, how Cassius was treating Gemma, which, fair, like, she is one of the stars of the show. <laughs> like, of course we're going to do that. And he is, and they're supposed to be the villains. But, like, I don't know, this, this, the show does a good job of, like, having the big bad, having the fake villain, and then making, sometimes making the villains complex. I think. Yes, even
1: even people who, who do do really bad things like Jai Ying or or Cassius, I think like you you understand where they're coming from on some level, and they they couldn't be more different characters. Whereas like yeah. one is a character who has this great privilege, and then when it didn't work out for him anymore, at you know grew a spine or whatever. But the, and this other character was just destroyed by the hatred and awfulness of men of yeah. men. I think Eli Morrow
0: too is like in that boat. I think. I yeah, uh, absol-
1: oh, absolutely. I think they, yeah. just, they do they do they do great with villains. Like even yeah. Ada, like I don't oh, really I feel it. sorry for, but it's also not entirely her fault. You know, she was created and then had was corrupted by magic that they made her use. Like it's not
0: Yeah,
1: yeah they do they do good with villains. Gosh.
0: Yeah, except for Ruby. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true.
0: Uh but the, then she doesn't the, the, turn the, out to be the Big Bad anyway. The big bad is uh Gravitron. Um, right. See, uh, yeah. Gra- no, that's tablet. right. Gra- Gra- Graviton, Graviton Talbot. Talbot. Yeah. So, God, it's just. But he's also a sympathetic villain. Like,
1: no, really, really... Was... and even Hale, even Ruby's mom. like oh, you, yeah. You get background where you understand, and and I feel like, unfortunately, had Ruby had a better actor, we might have appreciated <laughs> her situation.
0: Yeah. Um. <laughs> Yeah, because there's a, there's a whole like weird like abusive mother situation going on there that we don't oh, for really, sure. I don't feel like we see that a lot in fiction where it's usually like the abusive father, but we don't really see like an emotionally abusive mother a lot. I mean, I, I guess feel like when we do kind of falls easy. into that category, but
1: <laughs> but hers is hers is I think different. Although some, I mean, it does have a lot of overlap, but but, yeah, I, but I was just thinking like. Usually when it's an abusive mother, it's because it's a man <laughs> with mom issues <laughs> writing a, writing fiction. Like, it's yeah. not usually a mom doing it to a daughter.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's interesting.
1: Oh, Oh. also. The fact that, that, that Mo to...
0: is like, oh. <laughs> okay, we're going to have to examine that when that comes up because that's really interesting.
1: Also, the Hulu series uh, Castle Rock, the whole second season is sort of about that. Uh, about a, a mom trying to be protective, but ended up ending up being abusive and like, yeah. and like full circle around again to protective to her daughter. Like it's a very, very, very well done. Uh, uh Lizzie Kaplan is the lead in that. And uh, oh. the daughter is the, Oh, I can't remember her name, but she was just in the, the movie eighth grade. Uh, the independent no. movie. She's she, like, Amazing for like a fourteen and fifteen year old actor, like she's done an amazing job. And the couple things I've seen her in, like really, really dynamite stuff. I, I and it's got Tim Robbins, it's very good. uh that, that shows both seasons have been good, and they've been connected. But it's kind of a weird anthology Stephen King thing. If anyone is <laughs> interested in Stephen King stuff and all sorts of stuff like imperialism, religion, parent issues. <laughs> but well, lots of horror. But
0: yeah. That's interesting. All right. I made a note to talk about Jiang and Daisy and Hale and Ruby. And then that Mo is the one that's writing this or that's helming this. Because yeah, that Mo is has interesting. Daughter. <laughs> a daughter. Very... Maybe she has
1: concerns about uh, being an overbearing mom or something. Maybe she Well,
0: I think one. it's just like her examining like a mother-daughter relationship in general. Because that's not something that's usually looked at. It's usually that's like true. son, father-son. Oh, man. Like- Father, it, there's daughter. A whole,
1: there's a whole mess of stuff that I don't want to tell you about, but I don't know how much you've been exposed to from the final season. That is, oh no, like quadruples down on this.
0: <laughs> oh shit! Okay, I got. I did get spoiled for um Daisy making out with what's his name. I, sure I, I, yeah, you, it you it mentioned that just in that case part. our listeners haven't watched it yet, but. Yeah, it's Daisy not, does
1: make yeah. out with Susan in season seven. Yeah. And that's their stuff's very cute. They have a good moment where he is just like in the new episode where they've kind of both accepted they like each other and he just is like flirting with her hardcore and it's incredibly cute. Like he's just being really charming and just like it, 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 it's 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 very, very funny. She
0: finally gets a good guy. She does. Oh. I kind of wish
1: it was Gabriel Luna, but I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take Invergo Jack. He's good. I like that guy ready um i don't know how to spell his last name yeah. inver is his first name. <laughs> good actor <laughs>
0: he's a very good actor
1: um also, props to him for not americanizing his name because a lot, yes. of would, a lot of people would have
0: where is he from do you know that
1: i want to say croatia but i'm not 100 percent sure
0: Something i want to like
1: look that. it up now
0: yeah do you while i finish out this episode because we have like a couple scenes left um so Fitz and Gemma are sitting in the back of the trawler, like buckled in, trying to have some alone time. And as soon as Fitz is like, it's really nice to have some alone time. Coulson, being the really bad pilot he is, like crashes into something and they, their alone time is interrupted. And so they are going down. We don't see them land, but clearly they're going to land poorly because there's no landing gear. And then uh, May wakes up in the Zephyr. And Enoch is there and she's like, she sees the shield logo on the wall. She's like, we're in the Zephyr. And then people come out and Enoch is like, you know, we were saved by these people. And the, the, you know, the people that come out are masked. And then an old woman walks forward and she goes up to me and she's like, it's so good to see you or something, whatever she says. And then she's holding the Robin. So it's Robin as an old woman. Now I remember how we got here. Remember we were confused. Like, did that happen in a third timeline? Like, it's all here. But I'm
1: still confused about where Yo-Yo comes in.
0: Oh, shit. Yeah, that's right. That's
1: the one <laughs> part. But 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 this is it, and it made me really happy because I'm like, at least we weren't totally crazy. <laughs> <Yeah>. Oh, <laughs> but
0: also, like, her, Robin and May had a relationship in that other timeline, like, where the right. Earth was destroyed and they survived, right? Because that's why Robin knows her.
1: Right. She raised her. So and can I Can Robin I think,
0: see multiple timelines?
1: Yes, I think she can see all the different futures.
0: Oh, God. She's like Doctor Strange, but... It's worse <laughs> and,
1: I, and I looked it up and I, I looked it up and Enver um, is uh, first generation American, but his father is um uh, Albanian refugee.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: Yeah, but so he and all, all he has two brothers and they all have uh, Albanian names and he, uh, he has an identical twin brother, which I didn't know.
0: Oh Very interesting. All right. Well, that's the episode. We see Robin Robin and May are back together. It's a very. Right, Sonara it's a, it's a and great have made up. <laughs> Dude, it's such a good moment. I, I'm i really excited to. I Okay, so I fully thought when this episode started, because I didn't remember shit, obviously, um, that this was them. This was like the season, the mid season finale or whatever, pretty much. Like I was like, maybe they have one more episode. But then it's only episode seven. And I'm like, oh shit, like so much more has to happen. And then this yeah, happened. And I was like, like oh three, yeah, there's a couple more episodes. Maybe we have like three
1: or four more.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, Oof. God, this—I didn't like remember really loving this season, to be honest. Like, because I think I was so hyped for us covering season four. I was just like, that's like you know, the—I mean, it still is like peak, the peak of Shield, I think. But this season is really good, and it's oh, as usual, very well done, and like everything ties together, and the emotional beats are there, the relationships are great, the characters are you know developing wonderfully well, and the, you, and, and and the little things that,
1: and the little things that don't make sense to us i think are so much smaller like before it was like the entire motivation of ivanov <laughs> kind of pulled out of his ass and this time it's oh why are they using guns probably because it's cheaper because we already have the props but either way whatever it's happening <laughs> you know yeah. like, and also
0: hey maybe the brother is like this weird like sadistic uh like savage dude so that's his yeah and
1: some way to some way to make it make a reason for them not to just use their metrics and have this episode be over and not the heroes not be able to get out you know (laughs) (laughs) like oh
0: very good episode
1: (laughs) absolutely like quite quite good and i'm proud of us like considering uh we did like a 22 minute diversion of non-jeff lobe to start we did a pretty solid like not too long good-sized episode this is a yeah a, a, we clocked in at a rate reasonable amount considering yeah. usually when we have a half hour or so of a diversion we get into like an hour and a half i
0: know well i fully thought that this was going to be a long episode because i felt like we had so much to talk about in this episode but we did we did a good job of
1: yeah i feel like we were thorough because a lot happens but like in a weird way i feel like there's not that many like scenes there's yeah. a lot happens in each of them like tons That's of true. stuff happens
0: that is true because this these are really like two pages two full pages of notes here
1: I and mean, sometimes we have like three or three three or more
0: yeah so but this
1: this felt very much while watching it too like it felt like like 50 or 60 minutes worth of stuff in 40 minutes like it was it felt very fast paced
0: I had to pause so much watching this because I couldn't type fast enough to keep up with everything that up with everything that was happening, like in each scene. Cause it was just, the dialogue was, and the action was moving so quickly. I was like, wait, I need to type that out. because I'm going to forget what happened. Like
1: yeah, this, was, this had breakneck uh, pacing, but it was good. Like it was, it was intentional and you, they used it probably. And it's probably, you have to do that a few times when you do have multiple story arcs in the season. And this one has only like two, I guess not three, like the previous one, but still, a lot
0: yeah i don't even remember where we go from here like what happens um, yeah I, I like again i'm just <laughs> trying to
1: say, i'm just trying to i think you're absolutely right it's they're from this timeline but that, that, that's what we haven't realized and what the characters don't really accept for a while in a weird way but our shield members that we're following aren't from this timeline Fitz is the only person native to this timeline. They're from a different timeline, and the fits from native to to the, to the, that we're, that we like, they end up going, getting from the, (laughs) in the next season. But that is why Yo Yo and, uh, and, and Robin's memories of May exist because they're from their own timeline. They're from the, the one we're in in the future because this is a timeline that, that they avert. So, it's not the same one, which is weird. So I think I cracked it.
0: Does Yo-Yo not end up aging? Do they like do something to her?
1: I think she. Well, I think she is older, but not like real. Not obviously not like a hundred years old or whatever. But she is. She does seem older. Like I remember her having like like white hair, maybe.
0: Okay, I don't really remember.
1: I just remember the dram- dramatic thing of her having no arms, but no robot arms either. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's uh, not
1: great. A lot, not great. That will be my least favorite episode of this season. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's coming up soon. It's either next episode or the one after, right? It
1: is. It, I think so. I think it might I be the she... next one because we just met Robin.
0: Yeah, because she's in a couple episodes. And I think like, she's with. Ro- I think
1: she's with Robin's crew. So I think that's or or, no, or, no, or she's on the station being hidden yeah. by the cree Is that right?
0: Yeah, because she gets captured somehow. Yeah. Oh remember. weird. Oh, okay. well, we'll, we'll, we'll find out. We'll, soon. we'll find out. <laughs> We're going to listen to this and be like, okay, we were like trying to figure this out and we're literally covering it like next episode or whatever. All right, let's end here. Where can Good people call. find you?
1: <laughs> um, I've not been online in a long time, but I'm occasionally online and online to post this <laughs> on Twitter <laughs> at, at, uh, I snow nothing. I'll, I'll be back eventually. I've just, as you mentioned at the top of the episode, I moved and, uh, yeah, it's the world's falling apart and I moved. <laughs> so it's hard, hard to be online right now
0: that I just started a new job and it's been rough Um, you can find me at Space Jess with four S's in the Jess you can find this podcast at Project Tahiti on Twitter not that we've been posting a ton because you know life Um, and um, you can listen to us on all the things Uh, if you're a browser listener you should go on but why the podcast or yeah but why the podcast.com because we do have embeds there thank you all so much for listening to Project Tahiti it's a magical place catch you later
1: bye Join supporters around the world and raise money for the kids of St. Jude's Research Hospital, where families never receive a bill for treatment, travel, housing, or food, because all families should worry about is helping their children live.
0: Each year, approximately 16,000 children and teens in the U.S. are diagnosed with cancer. One in five of these children won't survive. St. Jude won't stop until no child dies from cancer.
1: It is estimated that
0: more than 400,000 children worldwide develop cancer each year, and nearly half of them are never diagnosed. St. Jude won't stop until no child dies from cancer.
1: Donate today at stjude.org but why though to join the fight to cure childhood cancer. Again, that's stjude.org but why though to donate now.